Welcome to Tips from the Server Room. This podcast is designed for all you systems admins, network specialists, or the guys and gals out there in the office who handles it all. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy Tips from the Server Room. Hey, yes, welcome back, everybody, once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 149 for November the 27th, 2019. I'm your host, Jack, and once again, I'll be guiding you into, through, and back out of the worlds of systems administration, network administration, and all fields of IT. Please check out my website if you not, have not had a chance to do so, and but check it out all the time anyway at tipsfromtheserverroom.com where you can comment on these shows. And you can also go over to jackstechcorner.com, jackstechcorner.com, uh, where I write one or two columns a week. And I'm also going to be having uh, some like subscription-type content on there that's going to help you get through your day and Maybe uh, make your week a little bit less stressful. But uh, check that out at jackstechcorner.com. If you want to get the very best in learning, the very best in learning Windows Server 2012. And folks, believe me, if you learn Windows Server 2012, you know, uh, all the servers after that are going to just fall right into place for you. Uh, So check that out at jtclearning.com. You can sign up and begin learning right away. So check that out. Let's start off this week a little bit. Well, first, let's start off by saying uh, I hope you have a happy, happy Thanksgiving if you celebrate Thanksgiving and you're part of the world. And uh, I know I'm sure I'm recording this, uh, as I said, November 27th on Wednesday. So tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and I am very sure that I will, uh, even though I don't want to, I'm going to eat way too much. It's just going to happen. And... Um, and then you always feel bad afterwards, like, why did I eat that much food? But uh, it does happen. So, but yeah, so have a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, and thanks again for uh, listening, downloading, and subscribing uh, to the show here. We're going to talk first for a minute about SSL, or Secure Socket Layer. And I'm not going to go into a whole lot of um, the relevance of it, uh, the importance of it, you know, if you're doing uh, any type of cash transactions across your website. And a lot of people ask me, uh, they said, Jack, why don't you have SSL loaded on your JTC learning? Because you take payments on there. Because I do not take payments on there. The payments when you sign up for one of those courses, excuse me, when you sign up for one of those courses, you're actually going off of my website to PayPal and all the transactions are handled uh, from the PayPal site. So it's very, very secure. So you're not doing any secure socket layer transfers on my actual site. So, I mean, I'm sure that makes sense to you. So, okay. But let's talk a little bit about what happened at the office uh, two days ago. So two days ago, I've been getting, well, let's back up a little bit. I've been getting an email for quite a while from a company called Namecheap or CheapName.com. I think maybe that's what it's called. Apparently, my predecessor at the office bought all of our domain names from there, which is fine. You could buy a domain name from anywhere where you think it's a good deal. Uh, you can register as long as it's a national register. You can register a domain name, pay your, you know, your money for it. 
And once you do that, then you own the domain name. Well, he also decided, which I would decide also because I did it with uh, one and one when I wanted a uh, SSL for one of my websites uh, at one and one, I bought the SSL certificate from them. It made really good sense because they install it. I don't have to deal with anything. So he decided that even though our websites aren't hosted at this uh, cheapname.com, but they're, trans they're doing all of our money transactions. They have our credit card on file. So he purchased the SSL certificate from them, which is fine. So they have been badgering me for about, well, and it's probably me procrastinating or not really realizing that we needed this thing, uh, the importance of having it uh, once you have it. So what I did was I decided that, uh, you know, I was waiting until the last minute to basically pay for this thing, for the, for the SSL certificate through them. So the morning it was going to expire, two days ago, I actually uh, went, I got the credit card from the business manager, I came back in the office, I punched the numbers in, and I purchased the SSL certificate. So I thought. <laughs> so let's go back to this. So when, when you purchase from a, a company, uh, sometimes they're a reseller for somebody else. Well, they were a reseller for another company that actually creates and sells the SSL certificate. And why is that important? Well, because what happens is once they take that credit card transaction, then they have to do a transaction with the other company and order your SSL certificate. They don't have them sitting there readily, uh, easily uh, available to hand out, which I thought, uh, okay, I'm a little naive with the SSL stuff. I'll give you that. But I personally thought that they typed a new date in their keyboard and poof, our, our, our certificate was not good for another two years. Well, that was a wrong assumption. It didn't quite uh, pan out for me that way. So we get this frantic call from the issuing company, the company that issued the certificate to us. And I, I am so happy that they called and uh, so appreciative of their business model. But, uh, you know, that they were looking out for us and calling saying, hey, look, this thing is expiring today. Um, so I called them back and I said, well, look, guys, this is what happened. I purchased the SSL certificate from this cheap name or namecheap.com, and um, I, I thought I was good. I, I thought they would call you on the phone and say, hey, uh, this company, blah, blah, they purchased uh, their certificate. Go ahead and uh, update it, and, and everybody will be happy. Well, <laughs> alarm bells. Well, no, uh, Jack, that's not quite how that works. I said, excuse me. He said, we have to issue the certificate, so that company will, will get a hold of them, and they will issue the certificate back to that company. That company, they don't, they didn't mark it up much. I don't know if they do such volume that they sell them for cheaper, but um, let's just say off the top of my head, it was $329 for two years with uh, namecheap.com. And the company that was actually issuing it was charging us $399 for two years. Now, yes, there's a price increase, but here is the kicker. He says, but Jack, we'll issue you a temporary certificate today. And our certificate was going to expire uh, Monday night at midnight. He said, we'll issue a certificate today and uh, help you apply it to your, you know, your site and get it all set up for you so everything will be fine, it'll all be secure, and everything will work. I said, we'll wait. So wonder if I wait two weeks, what's going to happen? He said, what's going to happen is, is when people go to visit your website, since all of our traffic's set up to go, and point to HTTPS, it will come up since the certificate is expired, and it will say that you know there is no uh, current certificate, certified certificate, 
or um, it will come up and, you know, it will say your site's insecure and they may allow you to click through and they may not. Here's the other kicker. He said, also your email, since your domain name is no longer has the SSL certificate associated to the wildcard of your domain, your email may also no longer work. So I was like, well, wait a minute. I said, can you hold on for a few minutes? He said, oh, absolutely. So nice guy. So I went into my boss and I said, look, and I explained everything. I said, you know what an SSL certificate is? He said, I kind of understand it's a padlock. I said, yeah, okay. So that's enough said. So we, we kind of are on the same page. With that said, I said, look, I told him what I did. I paid for the other company. I said, but I said, it was my, um, you know, hindsight that I didn't really understand the significance of how they would get that. I thought I would get it the same day. And, uh, but the company's on the phone. I got to pay them now, but I already paid the other company the 325. Now I got to pay this company 399. And uh, I, he said, well, what can happen? I said, well, the website can go down. And remember, we're a worldwide company. So, um, you don't, we get a lot of traffic across our website. It blows my mind how many people come to our website and read what we do and contact our company the way they do. Um, but the second part of that said our email could possibly go down. I don't know if I believe it because it's with Office 365 now and Azure, and I'm not really sure of that part. He said, pay the money. I said, okay. So I took the credit card back in. I got back on the phone with the guy. <clears throat> now, think about this for a minute. Think about social engineering, and I'm taking classes right now in, um, you know, in the whole uh, ethical hacking part of the world, right? So I'm learning more about what people do to gain access to your systems. So this is th the weird part here: is I'm on the phone with this guy. I don't know this guy. He called in the morning and said, "And maybe anybody can find out your SSL certificates are expiring." I don't know. But I started giving him the credit card information. I said, wait a minute. He said, what? I said, how do I really know that you are who you are? He said, that's a good point here. He said, well, let me send you an email. So he sent me an email, which I know you could still scam somebody with email. I get it. But he sent me an email. And sure enough, his, you know, the URL was his company. Um, and it looked like legitimate letterhead. And though, if you have the Brooklyn Bridge out there, don't try to sell it to me because I'm not going to buy it. But... So I went ahead and I gave him the credit card information. He said, you will receive an invoice within like two minutes of giving me this credit card information, Jack. He said, it will be fine. I'm panicking. I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust this guy. Um, boop. Sure enough, I got an email and said, here's your, here's your uh, uh, receipt for your purchase. And he said, within another uh, 10 minutes, we're going to email you. He said, and I'm going to call you back to make sure you can install the certificate. In the meantime... Now, if you've never run, I know some of you out there are Linux people, but some of you are not. He said, in the meantime, we need to find out if you have cPanel loaded on your Linux server. Now, I'm like, okay, well, we do have cPanel. And at this point, he's on our website, on, on the server site somehow, looking with the, um, um, with the port number. And he said, Jack, I don't see a login page coming up. You don't have cPanel loaded. I said... We do have cPanel loaded, and, and we used to have a Linux expert, and we still keep him on retainer, but he uh, he set all this stuff up, and he knows this Linux like like he was born with a distro in his pocket. Uh, you know, he probably carried him around in his diaper with him. You, you know those kind of folks. And he set cPanel up on one of our servers, one of our Linux instances, and 
um, and I'm sure he used a lot of, uh, we talked about CentOS or CentOS, and uh, I, I guess that's what cPanel is loaded on top of. Don't get, don't quote me on that. I don't know. Uh, from what I've learned so far and what I've been trying to learn, I understand that's that's where it's loaded. And he said, but it's a licensed software. And I said, well, yeah, I know he bought it. So what he did was he loaded up cPanel, and then we have like six Linux server instances in one cPanel. So I can just pick the server I want. It takes me out to there. He said, what's the IP address in the top right corner? I read it off. He goes, yep, that's the IP. He said, I guess you do have cPanel. I said, I know we have it. Um, and I said, I don't know how to load this SSL certificate. So we were able to go into cPanel, and he emailed me three different text files. And I, I should have wrote those down what those were. I know one was secure key. One was something panel. And the other, and I'm not going to call those. I don't really know. And the other one was some kind of key. So you take these text files, and it's just a bunch of machine code at that point. It's just a bunch of crap, really. But And you copy it, and you paste it into cPanel. There's three panes, and you hit apply. As soon as I hit apply, he said, well, go to your website. So I went to the website, and he said, click you know, up in the little secure area and look for a certificate. And sure enough, it said it was now secure until 2021 we paid for two years and sure enough it's there uh, now he did stress that this is a temporary key um, and they will be getting our our real key issued and we will be able to apply that and then we are going to be good we'll have our ssl certificate until uh like i said december or i'm sorry november of 2021 so um i was happy my boss was blown away because we get off, well, I get off work at 4.30 every day is, is normally when I get off. But, you know, an IT field, that you know, it, that's a niceness. Uh, but we try to hold true to that the best we can. I would rather start earlier in the morning. Like, my start time is 7.30. But if I get there at 5.30, I'd rather do earlier mornings than stay later in the afternoon if you get my drift on that. I'm sure maybe you're the same way. Of course, then most of us just come home and we do computer work anyway. But uh, so anyway, that uh, was taken care of. Uh, like I said, my boss was extremely happy because this all took place at like three o'clock or quarter after three. Uh, oh, and let's talk for a second about the other company, uh, Cheap Name or Namecheap.com. So as I was talking to this guy and as I was applying my new certificates to uh, the website, I was in a chat window with that company getting a refund issued for the money I spent that morning. Um, so by the time I had the certificate installed successfully, we tested it, everything was fine. I was actually uh, able to email our business manager two uh, different emails. Well, three, I'm sorry. One was the, uh, the order form for the new SSL. The second one was that I paid this new company for the SSL. And the third one was a refund from uh, cheapname.com. So we we had them all covered. She was extremely happy. She was blown away that, at, at the job that was performed there. So it just all worked out, folks. And sometimes with technology, that's what happens. It just works out. So I do have a big show to get to here tonight. I wanted to throw that out to you. I know that, you know, hearing the work side of it, what we run into, uh, to me, even when I listen to other people do podcasting, it, to me, is, is is the meat and potatoes of the show because it's showing you that it's real life. Anything can happen. You can walk into any situation. 
somebody asked me the other day, they were, we were talking, no, today actually at lunch, uh, the one young uh, young person we work with there, he said, oh, man, I like to keep a to-do list. I walk in and I start scratching them off. I, I'm going to do this first. I'm going to do this second. And I said, that's wonderful. I said, in the technology field, we call that a wish list. And I have I just put up a big whiteboard on my wall. And people walk in, they see my wish list. They know where I'm heading. They know what I want to get to. But then you have an SSO issue, right? I wasn't planning on that. I didn't have that written down anywhere. And this morning, I get halfway to work. And my watch, I wear an Apple watch and it dings. Bing! I'm like, I don't like that thing because I know what it signifies. I looked at my Apple Watch, and sure enough, PRTG sent me a notification that my server was down. Now, this server has went down in the past. We know that. So PRTG sends me a notification the server went down. I was like, well, okay. So I have to go in. I have to reboot the server. I have to reconnect my uh, SCSI drives, you know, reinitiate the SCSI drives. And then I have to uh, start up my only remaining um, CentOS or CentOS server uh, loaded on there that runs our intranet that we've talked so much about on this show. So I get into work. Before I even put my bag down, I get my key out. I open the server rack up, and I, I push the button for the server to turn it back on because it's going to take a while before I can log in. So then I go put my bag down. I turn my desktop computer on. I go out and I make a pot of coffee. Okay, that's kind of my routine in the morning. So I walk back in the server room. I notice that it comes up, you know, press control, delete. And I'm like, cool, that's fine. Uh, so I press control, delete, and I log into the server. I go to initiate the hard drives. So I go to initiate the hard drives, just like I've done a million times before there at the office. So I, I go to the uh, iSCSI initiator, and I initiate it, connected. Great. Everything looks good. That's what it should be doing. I opened up, I told you on this server, we are using uh, VirtualBox. Uh, that's what the, my predecessor used to virtualize because, I mean, at the time, that's all the money the company had. They didn't have, you know, didn't have the resources or money. So he did the very best he could. And I think he did a wonderful job. So anyway, he puts this together. He, so I bring up uh, VirtualBox. And it says on the server that I have to start inaccessible. So it's not accessible. You, you can't even access it. I couldn't. So I hit refresh, refresh, refresh. I know the drive's connected. It shows me the path. I go into my computer, right, in the folder structure, and I go to the drive, and we have it as, I think we have, like, I don't know, V drive for virtual disks. So I go into the V drive. I can see the folder. I know everything's in there for the virtual box. I can see the virtual uh, hard drive. So I'm like, why is this not? And I thought, oh, this is a really horrible, horrible morning. This is one of those mornings where I just wanted to grab my laptop case, put my coat back on, walk out in the car and just drive away and just never go back. Uh, this is one of those things where you think that your entire data system, this is the in, this is the intranet. This is something we've talked about in this show many times. This is the this is the heart of our company, right? This is the the what beats what pumps the blood through the company all day is, is this main intranet database, and I can't get it to, I can't get it to turn on. So. There's a lot of things I'm doing through my head. One, 
I can move the folder and reinitiate it somewhere else, right? It's a virtual disk. I should be able to move it and copy it over. I have in the past moved the, the whole drive. I actually converted the drive into a Hyper-V uh, virtual disk. I, can, I converted the whole entire server. I did that a few months ago, so that would have to be redone anyway. Uh, at some, well, I could have did it this morning, and I put it on our new server as a Hyper V drive, right? So I create a new Hyper V, and I and I put that server on there, and I can reinitiate the iSCSI drives there. Essentially, I could I could build the machine back up and, and put that back together. But I'm thinking if if it's not going to initialize it there, if it's not seeing the virtual drive there. Even if I copy that folder, I'm still probably going to have the same problem. So I turned to my old good old buddy, uh, my old good old resource that I always like to use, right? Google.com. Type in VirtualBox, virtual server says it's inaccessible. What could it be? Well, the very second hit that I landed on, I started reading through this thread and found out for some reason VirtualBox, and I don't know this to be a true fact. Maybe you can help me with this. VirtualBox, if it feels that the disk is going to be corrupted, if the file structure is going to be corrupted on your virtual disk, it simply uh, basically renames it. And I can't remember off the top of my head now what it renamed it. I don't know if it was .var uh, or .bar or something, but it was like Vox, right? The virtual ending, V-O-X, dot, and then there was another extension. So it said, all you have to do is make a copy of that. So you have a copy of what it did and then rename that and then reopen VirtualBox. And sure enough, boom, it was ready to start. It said it's seen the disk and everything was looking normal. I right clicked on it and said, start the server. Boom. The, 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 the sent, the CentOS, the CentOS server came right back up. Boom. Our intranet came right back up. Folks, I went out to the kitchen table in our office, and there was a few people out there talking this morning. You know how you do your morning talking around the, the water cooler. And they said, well, how's it going? I said, well, everything's running. Now, this is by um, 8.30, I would say. So 8.30, I had everything back up and fully functional, um, which, which is normally longer. And normally, if the server needs restart, I'm usually back up within like 10, 15 minutes. But I had a process to work through. See where that to-do list wouldn't help me today? Even though I knew I had a list of things I needed to get done at work today, I got sidetracked, like way off, way off sidetracked uh, because of this server. Gun. I said, look, guys, I said, right now, I mean, I, I really just need a beer and a shot of whiskey. And they said, it's 8.30 in the morning. I said, that's just how I'm feeling. Um, it's just that, you know, when something that stressful knocks you in the morning, like, just like that, right? It just it hits you right in the face when you walk in that front door. And um, you know your entire business structure. The entire business is, is relying on you to make them decisions and to get things working again. Then you have to work through the issue and figure out what you did and how to get it running. So um, that's just another story there from the shop. Uh, and that actually was pretty fresh because that happened this morning. Uh, so by the afternoon, you know, I normally get done at four 30 and, um, my boss walked around, uh, I think at like quarter after three, three 30 and said, Hey, look, I'm sending everybody home. Have a nice Thanksgiving. We're locking the office up. Bye. So I grabbed my laptop, threw it in the case. And I said, I am out of here. 
and I, and I hit the road. So there you have that. But So what this show was really going to be tonight about was the importance of monitoring everything in your network is what we're going to talk about. Um, let me see here. So I started working this the other day, and, you know, I go through, we talked a lot of times about logs, and I've been through my system logs. I go through the event viewer. I look at the firewall at different times, and that's okay, but it gets overwhelming. So what I wanted to find the other day was a good syslog program, something I could load up on the computer, relatively easy. I didn't have to think a whole lot about it, and point my firewall and you know, I could even point my servers to this, and all the log files will get dumped to one machine. But what's nice about these programs is you can actually sort it out and actually figure out what's going on a, a lot faster than actually drilling down through log files and not really knowing what each thing looks for, looks like, or what you're what you're trying to find. So I did settle on one that I am using right now. It's called Visual Syslog Server, which is free. It's a Windows-based program. I have one Windows server set up in our environment, and what I use it for is all of my different monitoring software. We're going to be talking here in a few weeks about setting up um, <laughs> uh, CFI, CFI, or no, GFI, LandGuard. We're going to be talking about that in a few weeks because I am uh, building that server or putting that on the server now. I'm going to be setting that up. Uh, we're actually buying licensing for you know for all of our workstations, so that's going to be my update uh, system and my network management system. So, but I mean, it doesn't do logging from what I've seen in the trial version. So that's why I set up this Visual uh, Syslog server, and I was able to set this service up right on that same server that I'm using. That I'm going to use for LandGuard. So it's kind of a server that I use to monitor, capture. Uh, and, and do all that work with. The only thing I don't use that server for, this is something for you folks to think about out there. If you set up PRTG, don't ever, ever, ever set up PRTG as a virtual machine on your only physical box in your network. Because it just stands to reason, if that physical box goes down, there goes your monitoring software for your network. The PRTG is dead also. So what I did for PRTG, it doesn't take a whole lot to run that. So I actually took an old PC that we had at work. It has Windows 10 on it. Um, I loaded it up on there and set it all up. I named it Probe because it's our probe computer for the network. And I use that. So that way, there is, it's, it's less likely if that thing you know would break or go down. But I don't want all my virtual machines to go off and me not be notified about it. So... And if you have your PRTG on a virtual machine, kind of what's going to happen. But but the syslog server is on a virtual machine. Um, that's just the environment that I live in. So I did build a Windows machine and put it on there. So it's really nice because I was able to actually filter out now critical alerts and uh, monitoring for intruders. So when I first turned on the syslog email, and I have the email set up to email me, I had to set to email me everything, folks. My email got blasted with emails, as you can imagine, because everybody's traffic is going across the firewall. It's going in and out, in and out, right? You're making requests for URLs. You're going in and out. I was getting all those. So I was able to check it and, and take that down a lot, and I was able to actually take it and just look for critical alerts. Uh, so I turned that on. And as I said, intruders, and it works very, very well. 
I have a whole list of free servers. I'm going to put that in the show notes tonight. So if you do go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com, you'll see a link down there uh, with with the sh- with the uh, for the the best free syslog servers uh, for Windows, anyway. So I'm sure there's tons of them out there you can find. And if you have any ideas, by all means, let me know. I would love to uh, hear about that. The other thing is, is if you have a wireless controller that can write to your syslog so syslogging server, I would recommend that you turn on turn it on also. This helps you keep a constant monitoring and constant alerts if anybody's gaining access to your wireless uh, system. So something else to just think about. Um, we're going to talk more in a future show here about wireless access points and how at one time I was told that it was like I was some kind of wireless engineer, which I am not by any means, uh, for how I was able to uh, structure the wireless and we'll talk about bleed over and what I mean about that. So hold me to that one time in the show. So we do have uh, one. I don't want this podcast to go too long here looking at the time where we're at. But we do have one email question tonight. I thank you very much, uh, Jonathan, for sending this in. He says, first, let me say thanks for the podcast and all the effort you put into doing the show. Jonathan, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, from your show last week, I want to know... How do I know which courses to take? When I look at Udemy, there are so many, it is overwhelming. Thanks again for the great show. Jonathan. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much uh, for writing in. I appreciate these questions. Uh, it does give a like a, another dimension, I guess, uh, to the podcast. So this is kind of the way I look at it. So the best way i found to actually choose courses on Udemy on Udemy, on Udemy, that's U-D-E-M-Y, we talked about that in the last show, is to see how many students are taking the course first. Udemy is not something where if I put a course up, you know, like they say with YouTube, you can put a channel up and you can pay to make it look like you have 2 million subscribers. Udemy is not that way. You have to actually get the students before they actually register as students on your course. The next thing I would tell you to do is what I do is look at the reviews from people that have taken the course as well as people that are still in the course. So they do have reviews up on there from people taking it and you can read through those and make sure it's a decent course. The other thing I could tell you about uh, about Udemy is um, I guess that means like Universal Academies. Anyway, regardless. The other thing I like about it is Everybody, even my course, when I put it up here, they ask you to give so many free lectures. So, so many of your lessons you mark as free lessons. And that way, the student coming in can kind of get a feel of of how you speak, of of your instruction uh, abilities, how you actually teach a course, and how the course is laid out. You, You would see the whole syllabus of the course of how it's laid out. So, those are things you look for, uh, Jonathan, to pick a course. You know, don't ever pick a course because I see right now I got an email. They have almost all their courses are $9.99. It's like the whole like Black Friday deal, right? They're giving it for $9.99, which, like I said, once you pay for it, it's yours for life. Now, things do change. Um, Like right now, I'm getting ready to start teaching, you know, the brand new Photoshop Elements 2020. So the course I put up for Photoshop Elements 12 might not be as relevant today if somebody bought that back then. I'm sure some of it will still pull over, but you you get my my drift. 
So, but yeah, check those out. And I would definitely recommend if there's courses on there you want right now, buy them up. I mean, there's this time of year, I'll go in and pay for two or three just to have them in there. And they're, you're always a member of it. So they're not going to throw you off the course. So when it goes back up to $299 or $399, you got a good deal. You paid $999 for it. And why do they do that? The primary reason why they do that is to bring more people to the Udemy site because they want to attract people to come in. They want to give you a reason. Saving money is a reason for anybody. Uh, I once told a CEO that. When he told me, uh, I talked to him about giving raises to people, and he told me, he said, Jack, he said, I've been a CEO of many companies. And let me tell you, money is not a motivator. And I told him, I said, money is the only thing getting me to walk through your doors in the morning. So, uh, you know, it's not out of the goodness of my heart. That, and it's nobody's goodness of their heart that they go to work. Um, like even my job right now, I mean, we may love what we do. And we love our jobs to go to work. It's, you know, it's not like it's hard to go to work and, uh, and, and do the job. But the money still motivates you to get you there. Uh, if they weren't going to pay you, I bet you won't stay very long. Folks, that's going to be it for this week. Uh, once again, have a happy, happy, happy Thanksgiving. And uh, eat as much as you possibly can, for sure. You know, definitely stuff it in there. Uh, don't forget the pumpkin pie and some whipped cream. Man, it sounds like a good day tomorrow. And on top of that, when you're shopping for Christmas presents on Amazon and you're buying anything from Amazon... Please go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com and click on my link. A little bit of that money comes back. You get charged no extra. It's not going to cost you any more money at all. But you're helping out our show here and helping us get some new equipment. I told you the other day my camera died, uh, so I'm still you know fighting that. So I have to buy a different uh, webcam. I know it doesn't sound like much. You're like, come on, Jack. Webcams like you know a good one's like eighty bucks, but it helps to get those proceeds in so I can actually uh, purchase this gear and keep the show uh, funding itself. I think that's very, very important. But but even if you don't, remember, subscribe to the show uh, and send comments. That makes me very, very happy. So, again, have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and I will talk to you next week. We'll see you later. Bye-bye for now. Just listen to Tips from the Server Room with your host, Jack. If you have any questions, please drop me a comment at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Thanks again for tuning in and downloading the shows. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the remainder of the music. We'll see you next week on Tips from the Server Room. So long. <laughs>